All right. Good morning. Um, as you can tell, uh, we've picked the guy who's been married the least amount of time to the marriage sermon, and so I hope you're okay with that. You can go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5. Um, we'll start in 25 in a little bit. Um, but no, when uh, Jared pre- kind of presented this one to me, uh, he was very much like, hey, do you want to tackle this? Um, if not, that's fine. Um, but for uh, as important as marriage has been uh, to me uh, in just short three years this past Tuesday, um, I've really felt called uh, to not only preach this to you guys, um, but for a lot of it, the preparation for me to really analyze my heart, um, to see the big picture uh, of marriage uh, was, what, was what I was really um, desiring. And, and, I, and so I hope that um, I kind of uh, give that to you this morning. And so uh, kind of the root of our question um, is when do a man and woman become married in God's eyes? And, and then what Scott talked about with the state, uh, we'll tackle that later. Um, but the, the core question is, when do a man and woman become married in God's eyes? Uh, and so why would this question be asked is, is, a, is a big point. Uh, and so, for example, let's say I'm in a relationship. Uh, my significant other and I, um, we love each other a lot. Um, we've been living together for a while. And so we already consider ourselves married in God's eyes. We're, we consider ourselves believers, and so we think it's important to be married in God's eyes. And so that we, so we consider we don't have to go through the state uh, or a ceremony. We're, we're married. That's fine. Um, and so the reasons we don't want to do any of that, uh, I found a few um, just looking online to see why is this an issue. Um, here's a few reasons. Separation uh, would always be a possibility in our eyes, and so we'd rather not go through the whole process of divorce if we're married. So we want to skip over all that. Um, we don't really see why a ceremony or, or covenant is that important. We, we don't get that. Um, and most importantly, uh, kind of the biggest root of our question today is we believe God created marriage. Uh, and so why would we seek a license or permission from the state to be, get, be together? We don't think um, the state should have any say and if we can be together or not. Um, and so we do want to kind of tackle these questions, answer these um, smaller questions to hopefully answer the bigger question. Um, but I, I, I think two things come up, two problems come up if we were just to simply answer a question. So if you thought you were getting out of here, a question and leave and to watch some basketball, um, sorry. Duke plays at four, and so you got time uh, to get lunch before you go watch them. Uh, Zion Williams is amazing. If you don't like basketball, just watch him. He's incredible. Um, but anyway, uh, more importantly, uh, I think two problems come up if we were just to simply answer a question or these smaller questions or, or, and a bigger question. Uh, first, this question, when do a man and woman become married in God's eyes? doesn't apply to everyone here. So I wasn't here last week for Kevin's sermon, but two weeks ago, Kendrick's sermon, um, the, the front of the question, the basic base of the question, how do I teach my kids about racism? Obviously, it doesn't apply to everyone here because we don't all have kids. Um, but he preached in a way that was, we were able to apply it to all of our lives. So whether or not uh, I didn't have a kid or not, um, I was able to apply that to my life. Uh, and so the same thing today. Uh, a lot of us here are married, uh, and so we don't need this question answered. Uh, and then even for uh, the single people uh, in the room, uh, whether or not you're uh, looking for this as an avenue uh, rather than the traditional route of uh, 
a ceremony, uh, the, the, the marriage license. Um, maybe this is for you, uh, but I doubt that um, just answering this question would be beneficial for that either. Uh, but the other problem is uh, here on Sunday morning, whoever is up here, uh, we are called to preach. Uh, and we all believe that preaching requires a proclamation. Proclamation of what? Obviously, the gospel. Uh, and so, uh, kind of to begin this, before we get into these answers, tackling these smaller questions, um, I'd really like to, like to walk with you through the significance of of marriage, uh, how I've seen it, uh, how we see it displayed uh, in Scripture, um, and let's make much of God, let's make much of this good, uh, this good gift He's recreated, uh, and kind of proclaim the truth to you behind marriage. Uh, hopefully by the end, uh, we're able to, to answer this question in the light uh, of, of that understanding of marriage. Uh, and so let's read uh, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 25, super well-known uh, passage from Paul. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for, up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of His body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, just for another opportunity uh, to gather together uh, as, as one body to worship you for the uh, many gracious, good gifts you've given us, uh, to hear this word proclaimed over us, to be reminded of this truth of the gospel in whatever uh, light, whether it be marriage, uh, racism, anything else uh, that we tackle, God. Thank you that the gospel is being proclaimed here, uh, that this time is not important, this building is not that important, but that we are gathered together as believers uh, to hear this truth, uh, and then, very importantly, uh, to go live this out, God. And so, God, I pray that this morning that uh, you speak through me, that it not be uh, Jesse uh, and, and his advice on marriage uh, or anything like that, God. Uh, I pray that you speak through me, allow my words to be clear, and God, obviously, I pray that you are glorified with everything we do, uh, everything we say here, uh, and that we can worship you uh, afterwards out of this, God. I love you. I thank you so much uh, for the grace you've given to me uh, and and to all of us here. Amen. All right, so um, through that passage in Ephesians, uh, we can probably take a lot uh, out of all that. It's a a really um, good passage, uh, and we could preach a lot of different sermons. We could have a lot of different discussions about different parts of that. Um, But I wanted to focus on uh, two simple, maybe not simple, uh, things uh, that come out of that passage. uh, And those are covenant uh, and then becoming one flesh. Covenant and becoming one flesh. Uh, And so first, let's talk about covenant. Um, So we see that in Ephesians, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh 
but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. That's important. Just as Christ does the church because we are members of His body, His covenant. So simply defined, covenant is just an agreement. But as believers, we obviously can go way deeper than that. And so if you're here, you've probably heard the term covenant. Whether it's you have a hard time understanding it, you think of it as that paper that you need to sign to complete that membership process, a lot of you maybe. Um, uh, but for me, the best way that I understood it, the easiest way for, that I understood it, stood it uh, early on uh, was uh, from a few guys that I, I read about uh, and heard their, I heard their sermons. Um, I think the, the most memorable one was a sermon from Matt Chandler. Uh, and it is uh, comparing uh, a covenantal agreement to a contractual agreement. Covenant and contract. Uh, and, and the whole idea of this is that we are full of a culture, we are a culture full of contracts, and if they're not physical contracts, contractual agreements. Um, and so it's everywhere, it's kind of just what we know, and maybe we, we don't realize it, and that stem, simply put, I'll do this, uh, or I'll provide this if you do that, or provide that for me. It's a give and take, it's not bad, it's just how we do things. Uh, and so I was thinking about this, um, and so in a very informal contract, um, very informal, uh, happened this Friday when I went to Northside Barber uh, and sat down to get a haircut, uh, or a buzz cut now, because it's like way easier, guys, or ladies, it's way easier. Yeah, you got it. Um, and so I sat down, the understanding uh, that when I sit down in this chair, uh, you give me a haircut, that's what you give me, and I give you money. It's super simple. Um, but uh, if Jeff is cutting my hair and he hands me that mirror, I say, thanks, town's out, uh, see you Sunday kind of thing, and I just walk out, that's not cool. Uh, they're not going to be okay. If I make it out, um, they're not going to be cool with that. I will probably not be welcome back. Um, they, whoever cut my hair, held up their end of the agreement, um, but I didn't hold up mine. Uh, and so no more cool butt cuts because um, I didn't hold up my end. Uh, that's contract. They do this, I provide this. Um, and so another thing, uh, what if I decide I want to just cancel my Netflix account? Cancel that automatic payment that comes out of our account uh, every month. Don't feel like paying that anymore. Uh, and then July 4th rolls around, and I want to just binge that entire Stranger Things season in one weekend, turn it on, doesn't show up. Obviously, why? I didn't pay the money. Netflix is not going to provide me with a waste of time. Or, I mean, it's a good waste of time. Um, and so that's it. It's, it's super simple. I failed to hold up my end of the agreement. Netflix, obviously, isn't going to hold up theirs. And it works the other way, too. Uh, if I'm paying for something and I'm not receiving, uh, I'm not getting what I was promised, what the contract we agreed upon, I'm not paying anymore. That's it. It's, it's simple. Uh, and so, but what if we thought about this uh, in the form of wedding vows? contractual wedding vows. You go to a wedding, uh, you're sitting down, and all of a sudden you hear uh, the guy repeat after me, and it sounds like, um, I'll love you forever as long as when we have a kid, you change every dirty diaper. Um, I'll definitely never leave you, uh, only if you wash the dishes every time the sink is full, which happens like five times a week. It's crazy. And that's what I'm be, I'll, be, I'll be doing this afternoon when we get home. Um, but I'm never going to leave you, but you got to wash the dishes. I'm not doing that. Um, or uh, I'll be there thick and thin no matter what 
But, this is a big one, you cannot bring Enneagram stuff up ever again. Sorry, that's it. No more. I'll be there for you, but you're not bringing that up. Uh, it's a contract, and we would be blown away if we went to a wedding um, and we heard that kind of thing. That's, that's not what weddings are. Obviously, that would be ridiculous um, because this doesn't work in marriage. A con- contractual agreement between a husband and wife cannot work. Uh, if me and Chan did that, it, it, we'd be done. It'd be like, we can't do that. Um, we're sinful, selfish, prideful, imperfect human beings, not just us, everybody, um, who, who need something else, uh, something deeper, something more meaningful than just a contractual agreement. Uh, I get this if, if you give me that. Um, and so thinking about this, uh, my sister uh, is getting married uh, in June, and she asked me to marry them. Really cool guy who loves Jesus. He gave Lucy a pair of Jordans for her birthday, so he's like really trying to get in good with us. Um, but he asked, she asked me to officiate the wedding. Uh, like, yes, absolutely. Can't wait for this, but I've never officiated a wedding. Um, and so I'm really, one, really surprised she asked me to do this. Um, but so I need help with this. Uh, I asked uh, Kendrick, who married us, me and Chandler, uh, for some help to prepare this. And he told me some things, gave me some pointers, but then also he just uh, sent me uh, two kind of type-ups of, of marriages he's done, marriages he's done, but one of them was our marriage. Uh, and so it was really cool uh, to read through that. Uh, and because one, that day go, like, goes by so fast, I'm definitely not focusing on Kendrick during that time. Uh, I'm focusing on Chandler in front of me. Uh, and so to read overall, it be reminded of that. Uh, but then also to go back through uh, his sermon and to read over what me and Chan promised to each other uh, was really awesome. Uh, and so I was really grateful for that. And so first off, uh, we see uh, how good the Father is in making uh, this covenantal promise between husband and wife so beautiful. It, it's so different from a contractual agreement that would be ridiculous to hear. So this is not based on what we get out of the relationship. No matter what, I'm here with you. No matter how much you give or don't give, do or don't do, uh, in the highs, I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to celebrate life with you. In the lows, I'm going to grieve. I'm going to suffer with you. I'm there no matter what. I'm not going anywhere. No matter what. Uh, it's, it's beautiful uh, that God gives us the opportunity, not just our uh, covenant, not just our vows that we said to each other, but this idea of covenant uh, that we get to share between a husband and wife. I'm, I'm, I'm there no matter what. No matter what. Um, and also, uh, how beautiful this is, how beautiful the idea of covenant is, uh, it's also really difficult to keep every day. If, if you've been married, if you're married, uh, you understand that. It's super difficult no matter what, I'm going to be there. Uh, not that it would just be like, I'm out. I don't think a lot of us would do that. Um, but to continually love uh, my wife, no matter what I get or don't get, it can be really difficult sometimes. And it's, I think, like I said in the vow, or like I repeated after Kendrick, um, only by God's grace, only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to hold true to this covenant between husbands and wife. It is not... Uh, up to us only. We would fail miserably. Uh, it is only by that power that we're able to do that. And, and also, obviously, I'm very thankful. Uh, this points us uh, to something so much greater. Uh, we see glimpses of this in the Old Testament. Um, one, in Genesis 22, 
after Abraham is about to, uh, after Abraham attempts to sacrifice Isaac, God stops him and provides the ram. It says, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven. And as the sands, uh, as the sand that is on the seashore, your offspring shall pose- uh, possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Your offspring uh, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed by. Uh, later, uh, in Second Samuel chapter seven, God reveals uh, this a similar promise uh, to David through uh, Nathan the prophet. Uh, he says, when your days are fulfilled, you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul whom I put away before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So yes, obviously, uh, we know that after David, uh, David passed away, Solomon is raised up. Uh, we know Solomon was a great man, a great ruler, builds this incredible, incredible temple, a house for the Lord. But what do we know about every human being? Solomon died. Uh, the temple was destroyed. Uh, and so who... Is, is God talking about whose kingdom would be established forever? Later in Jeremiah, we see a clearer picture. Um, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each, of, each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And so this is even more clear, obviously, about what's coming, what is, what is being promised. But then uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, makes it even clearer uh, when talking about Jesus. He compares earthly high priest uh, to the high priest, Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 8, they serve, the earthly high priest, as a copy or a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the temple, the tent. He was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, uh, than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since, it's in ena- since it is enacted on better promises for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would be no occasion to look for a second. So God, uh, has a covenant with his people, brings them out of Egypt, as we saw, um, as he mentions in Second Samuel, um, this promise that his people broke, 
they could not uh, hold their end of the bargain. Uh, and then Hebrews speaks of uh, this new covenant, this better covenant, covenant uh, that is not going to require a third try as the first one needed another try. And so we know that every covenant, every marriage is a glimpse or in Hebrews a shadow of the gospel, this new covenant. God promise, uh, God's promise to his children that no matter how many times uh, we break the covenant, how many times we turn away from him, how many times we worship the creation rather than the creator, he holds up his end of the promise. He holds up his end of the agreement no matter what because Christ came. He died for our sins. He rose on the third day, defeating death. He secured our inheritance, uh, which is to be with him forever, uh, no matter what we do. And so the same kind of language, uh, I'm going to be there for you as a spouse. I'm going to love you no matter what, uh, no matter what you do or don't do for me, uh, no matter what we go through. It's the same kind of language, but we fail all the time. Uh, we screw up all the time. We turn to sin every day, uh, and God holds up his end because he looks at us. Who does he see? Christ. He sees Christ instead of our sin. And so, importantly, um, do we see our marriages, if you're married right now, or, or our future marriages like this, this picture of Christ giving up himself every day, no matter what. Uh, if we don't see our current marriages like this, uh, like this, this week that I got to prepare this and really analyze my heart, look at our marriage, and, and, and to really check this, um, I had to have this heart check. What is stopping me uh, from loving my wife like Christ loved the church? In the, the bigger picture of things, um, in the, the long, kind of long road ahead, road ahead, or the small things, just the everyday things that kind of um, I see that I'm not loving Chandler uh, the way Christ loves me. So, so what is that? Check, you can check your hearts daily. Um, so what, what sin is blocking me from doing this? Uh, and then if you're single, um, about to get married, that's farther down the road, uh, you, tend, may, you may tend to think on, uh, maybe even subconsciously, what can you get out of marriage? This was totally me uh, in college. And, and it wasn't this selfish idea of, like, man, I can't wait uh, to have a wife so I can get all this stuff. Uh, I never have to cook again. Even I didn't cook in college. Um, uh, or I, you know, the, the physical aspect of it, um, just the kind of the image, the American dream of, like, I'm a husband. I have a wife. Or I, I get kids. Um, and it wasn't all the time just consciously me doing that. A lot of it was subconscious. That, that was my drive was to be married, was all the things that I get. Um, and so maybe that's you. So rather than giving up yourself every day, um, you, you seek the things that you get. And so the advice for you as married people, check their hearts and, um, and see what stopped me from loving my wife. Uh, if you're a single person, I would uh, highly suggest talking to married people who love Jesus, P- people who've been married for a while, who love Jesus, who love their spouse as well. Um, I've found this so helpful, uh, and, and I'm probably never going to stop doing that. I'm obviously never going to become a pro at marriage, and so I'll never reach the point where it's like, all right, no more advice, I'm good. Um, and so single people, I would highly suggest uh, you do that because Christ gave himself up for us, uh, and we are to love our spouses uh, as, as Christ uh, loved us.
And so, so that's covenant, uh, this, this agreement, this, uh, this promise uh, that we cannot break no matter what. I'm, I'm there for you no matter what. Uh, and so, let's go into the next thing. Uh, what about uh, the idea of one flesh? Uh, we definitely hear this a lot. Uh, and I, th- I think a lot of times for me, I, uh, I look over it. Uh, and I don't, I don't take time to really think about the importance of what one flesh means. And so, in that Ephesians passage, um, it's quoting uh, Genesis uh, after God made uh, Eve. It says, Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so I really like to, a quote from Tim Keller uh, on just this phrase, one flesh. Um, he says, uh, this phrase, one flesh, is so strong. It means there is a possibility of deep unity and deep oneness when two people of different genders uh, enter into a permanent, exclusive, binding, legal commitment to share their entire lives with each other. When that happens, there's a potential for a deep oneness no other relationship has the potential for. So think on this deep oneness that we can have as one flesh. Uh, and so um, along with a covenant uh, between a husband and, a li- a husband and wife, uh, we also have this idea of two becoming one flesh. In Scripture, we see a few uses of, of the term flesh. Flesh as literal flesh, our, our bodies. Uh, flesh that is used a ton of I'm when I'm in my flesh, how do I sin? And so our, our, our sinful human natures as flesh. Um, but we also uh, see husband and wife becoming one flesh would definitely not make sense uh, any of those ways. And so we understand this one flesh, this flesh, um, uh, referring to uh, a person, one person. And so in Joel chapter 2, God, God declares, um, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And so he's talking about people. He's not talking about, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all bodies. Um, he's talking about people because the young men, the old men, the sons, the daughters. Uh, and so we think of flesh in this sense as a person. Uh, and so if we replace flesh with the word person, and two shall become one person, um, we see it, maybe see it a little differently. And so we hear this so much, uh, do we take time to realize the implications of this? Two people becoming one person. And so when joined together in marriage, a husband and wife uh, are not two people anymore. Uh, We know that. Uh, They are not even a mix of two people, where you can see where they're they're separate, where they're different. And that's what I think I've had to uh, really understand, uh, try to understand a little better, that I'm not just a mix uh, anymore. There's two people mixed um, where you can tell where they separate, wh- where we're separate, where we're not. Um, they are an entirely new entity and an entirely new person. And so after that quote uh, from Keller in his sermon, he uh, describes this difference uh, as uh, not two people, not a mix of two people, an entirely new thing. Uh, he describes it as making chocolate chip cookies uh, and mixing chemicals. And so you've got chocolate chips, in the dough, um, and so if you just buy the Toll House pack like we do, just imagine making like homemade cookies from scratch, because I've never done this, um, but we know how it works. Um, you have the chocolate chip cookies in the dough, uh, and when you put the chocolate chips into the dough, you're mixing it up, you look at it in the bowl, uh, you can still see two things, the dough and the chocolate chips. They haven't, they haven't, they've, 
They've been mixing, but they're not one thing. And so even if you wanted to, be ridiculous, uh, to pull out every chocolate chip, you could separate them, set the chocolate chips back over here, have the dough still in the bowl. You could do that. It's still two separate things. Um, not like truly one thing. Um, but what if you have two chemicals or if you want to stick to the food thing and like me, don't know a lot of chemicals, um, not that, you know, not that advanced. I, did, I wasn't here last week. Maybe I could have learned a lot more about chemicals and stuff like that. Um, but if you want to stick with the food thing, just think of water and Kool-Aid. That's what I, my mind like, went to straight away. Um, so if you think of water and a Kool-Aid mix, once you pour that powder, whatever flavor you want, um, into the water, stir it up, it is clearly not water anymore. It's different color, doesn't taste like boring old water anymore. Um, and it's clearly not a powder. It's, it's definitely not a powder anymore, it's liquid. Uh, and so what happened? Uh, it became something totally new, a, a new creation, um, not water, not Kool-Aid mix, something totally new. Um, and so this understanding of two becoming one flesh even strengthens the idea of covenant. Uh, so as a person myself, uh, if you didn't know, um, I'm made up of different body parts uh, that work together doing different things for me to go about life and to be a normal person. And so if my stomach, part of my body, sends up the message to the brain, hey, we're hungry, we need some food, brain's like, yeah, got it. Let me send that message down to the legs, get off this couch and go get some food. And that message gets down there and the legs are like, actually, what am I getting out of this? Like, why? I'm pretty comfortable on this couch. Why do I need to get up and get food? We're good. We're going to stay on this couch. You're going to be hungry. Obviously, it doesn't work. That's ridiculous. Um, my body, all the parts work as one. Whatever my body needs, uh, everything works together to accomplish that, whatever it is. Um, and so a big question, uh, once we understand what one flesh is, two people becoming one entirely new person, and, and, and even if we heard that 50 times today, I don't think we would really understand what that means uh, until you've been married for a while. I know that we don't understand that yet. Um, to really get it, to you are an entirely new person. But one question comes up, uh, even the beginning of understanding this, is when do a man and woman become one flesh? And this is kind of a part uh, or a root of this bigger question, when do a man and woman become husband and wife? Or when does marriage actually happen? Uh, and this is really difficult, uh, and, and there's not an absolute clear answer uh, on this. But um, when talking about one flesh, a lot of answers uh, point to the physical consummation after marriage. Uh, and so is it simply the physical act of sex that defines marriage? If so, we would understand that um, is everyone who engages in premarital sex now considered one flesh? So 1 Corinthians 7 uh, tells us that sex before marriage is immorality. If sexual intercourse causes a couple to be married it could not be considered immoral. Are you tracking with me? Um, as the couple, if that's the case, as the couple would be considered married the moment they engage in sexual intercourse. Uh, so there is absolutely no biblical basis for an unmarried couple to have sex and then declare themselves to be married after that, then declaring all future sexual relations to be moral and God-honoring. I feel like I said sex like way too much during the whole thing. But... That's, the, uh, that's an argument behind not wanting to seek after a marriage license, not wanting to seek after a ceremony. It's not that that stuff is unbiblical to them. It's just like 
We're living together. We've had sex. This is an argument that a lot of people have, that we consider ourselves married in God's eyes because we believe that we are one flesh now. But if that's the case, obviously Scripture cannot hold that up. Um, and so what about the other side? Uh, what if a couple goes to the ceremony, they sign the, the license, and they are never able, for whatever reason, never able to physically consummate their marriage? Would we still consider them husband and wife, one flesh? Yes, we would. They're husband and wife. Uh, and so what is the physical act of sex in marriage? We definitely don't want to downplay this. Uh, sex is a sex in marriage is a wonderful gift from God. Um, it's a physical picture to better understand this concept of one flesh, but it is definitely not everything. Um, the idea of two imperfect, incomplete people coming together, becoming one flesh, that will not be separated no matter what, um, no matter what they go through, no matter what happens to them, um, they become something totally different from their old selves. It's not a, a mix. You can see it's something totally different, one flesh. Um, so this is the bigger picture. It's not just the physical side. It's what does one flesh mean. And so we can see this is a, another shadow, a glimpse of, of, of the gospel. And so when God calls us out of darkness, calls us away from our sin, uh, from being children of wrath, we are then united with Christ. We are no longer what we were, that sinful being. Uh, we are now a new creation. It's not a, it's not a weird mix. It's not two separate things. We can't separate it. It's totally new. We are reborn into something totally new. Uh, and so again, just like covenant, we see the picture in the Old Testament uh, of Christ coming uh, to rescue us, to be the new covenant um, that we never a, a new one. And then one, with one flesh, we are united with Christ as we are with our spouse, but in a totally, totally bigger way. That we have him forever. Uh, he's never going to leave us, just as uh, the covenant kind of decrees. And so our other kind of root questions uh, for this bigger question, uh, and it's what, uh, was probably mentioned on the slide. I think Scott mentioned it. Uh, what about being, being married by the state? How is that important? Uh, and then also another one that comes up a lot uh, in this situation is why would we have to have a ceremony? And so why do we have to be married by the state? Why do we have to have a ceremony? That was a really weird way to drink water. Um, and so the hesitancy of some uh, who, are, uh, who don't want to seek a marriage license uh, to become officially married um, definitely has some legitimacy. Uh, so first, we know that marriage existed before any government was organized. Uh, for thousands of years, people were getting married. We look at Scripture. We're getting married uh, with no such thing as a marriage license. Also, uh, today there are some countries that have no governmental recognition of marriage, no legal requirements for marriage, and then also, uh, there are some governments that place unbiblical requirements on a marriage before it is legally recognized. Unbiblical requirements. Uh, I also read somewhere on a very weird site, um, very angry site, uh, that claimed that when you marriage with a marriage, when you marry with a marriage license, you are like a polygamist because you you're marrying your spouse and the state. Uh, and so we see out of that that some of these. Um, are really good things to work through. 
Some are definitely not. Some are ridiculous. Um, but some of them are really good to think through. Um, we know that marriage existed before any laws about marriage existed. Uh, and so that's an important point. Uh, but as Scott brought it to us before uh, the song, we as Christians are to follow whatever laws govern us as long as it doesn't defy what God commands. And so like he read, uh, Jesus says, um, to render unto Caesar what is Caesar and unto God what is God's. And then later on, Paul writes in Romans, uh, let every person be subjected to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And so we follow the law that is given to us, put in place by governing men and women, because the law has sovereign, God has sovereignly placed each of those authorities where they are. Um, and so there's also the case which was brought up to me. I had no idea this was a thing, and I'm so glad that it was brought up to me before preaching this. Um, common law marriage is an option of common law marriage uh, in which a couple represents themselves to others as being married and organizes their relation as if they were married. No marriage license, no ceremony required for evidence that they're married. But for that to be an option, you'd have to live in one of the eight states, of the, or 50 states, and Louisiana is not one of them. And so if you're seeking common law marriage, you don't want to go through everything else, you'd have to move to one of those states. You can look that up and find out where they are. Um, but Louisiana is not one of them. So in Louisiana, we are to follow whatever laws are governing us. It's, it's really simple, and I, I think some people um, have different opinions on that, get upset about that, but it's clearly stated in Scripture. This is the law. We're to follow it unless it's unbiblical, unless it goes against what God teaches. And so three years ago, we saw nothing unbiblical about us going down the road and getting that marriage license, uh, formally, officially uh, declaring this covenant to everyone. Uh, and so if you get away from the, this, this crazy stuff, the polygamous stuff, whatever, that, that was nuts. Um, if you get away from that and you see it as something good, like I'm, I'm signing this, declaring this covenant between me and my wife, for everyone to know, I, I, don't, I don't care about all these other little arguments to have about why we shouldn't do this. This is, this is good, and I'm declaring this to everyone. Um, and so uh, I think a marriage license uh, is probably good. And so what about wedding ceremonies? Um, a lot of uh, people don't see the point in it. Um, uh, they don't want to pay for it if we would have known how much our parents paid. I'm not really sure if we still know. We may have thought up differently about it. Um, but it's a thing to not have a wedding ceremony at all, to not go through all that, uh, to actually be married. Um, and so we can look at Scripture uh, to see that ceremonies are definitely important. Uh, as, as feasts and festivals uh, saturate the Old Testament, uh, the Lord consistently causes people to celebrate His goodness with ceremonies and celebrations. Um, from first fruit, the, the Feast of Harvest, to the Feast of Tabernacles, Yom Kippur, uh, to the Passover, uh, their calendar was saturated with ceremony, with celebrations of God's goodness. And so these feasts and festivities uh, were also neither optional or uh, unnecessary. And so moving from this, this general theme of celebration to the uh, particular, what we have, uh, this celebration of marriage, we see a lot of biblical evidence uh, of ceremony and festivity 
uh, for God's people. Uh, and so in John, we see the wedding at Cana uh, to Christ's various parables uh, in Matthew to the ultimate feast and glory, uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation. The Lord has revealed a pattern uh, and picture of marriage, and it consistently involves a celebratory and ceremonial element. And so I know for us, um, the actual ceremony going through uh, the sermon, going through the vows, and then having, we took pictures for a long time, but after that, going back to uh, the, the venue and celebrating with everyone the love that me and Chandler had for each other, but more importantly, this love that God had for both of us and this, this union that we just made that we had no idea what the bigger picture was for that at the time. Um, celebrating this with a lot of you there uh, is one of my favorite memories uh, that I have uh, in, in our marriage. Um, and so um, I'll close uh, if the man uh, wants to come up now. Um, this question we have, when do a man and woman become married in God's eyes? What does the state have to do with that? What do ceremonies have to do with that? Covenants? Uh, one flesh. Um, but this base question, when do a man and woman become married in God's eyes? Is this question necessary if we understand the weight and the meaning of marriage? Are these, these smaller questions that deal with the state and that deal with sex, uh, are they uh, important if we understand what marriage uh, is meant to represent? And so for the sake of the answer uh, to our bigger question, I've written down three things. If possible, a man and woman should consummate the marriage sexually, fulfilling the physical aspect of the one flesh principle. And as long as the requirements of the law are reasonable and not against the, not against the Bible, a man and woman should seek whatever formal governmental recognition is available. And last, a man and woman should follow whatever cultural, familial, and covenantal practices are typically employed to recognize a couple as officially married. But this bigger idea um, to get past these, these question and answers, to get past trying to prove a point, to get past all that, do we see marriage uh, as a picture of the covenant that God has placed for us? This covenant that it will last forever. This new covenant that is Christ. He died on the cross, was rose again, reigns in heaven forever so that we would not receive this punishment that we had for us, this punishment of hell forever. And instead, we receive his grace, uh, this inheritance that we get to be with him forever. If we do understand that about marriage, I, I don't know if these questions uh, are needed. Um, obviously, you should take time uh, to think about marriage before you get married, uh, and then you should take time as a married couple, to really think on these things, uh, to really analyze your heart, to see, am I loving my spouse the way Christ loves me? The quick answer is no, definitely not, because we're human, we can't do that. But how do I strive to do that? How do I give up myself every day, uh, not receiving anything, not expecting to receive anything in return? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much again. Um, just for the truth of the gospel. That whatever avenue we see it as, uh, that you are a good 
and gracious Father. Thank you so much, no matter how many times we as individuals, uh, as, as, as a group, turn away from you and worship everything else that you've created. Still, you call us. Still, you bring us back. Because you have made a covenant between us, between us, that you love us forever, that we will never feel the punishment uh, of our sin, that we get to this inheritance with you forever, God. I thank you so much that is true about any believers in this room today, that we can celebrate this win, this amazing truth today in worship and then forever in heaven with you. So God, I pray that, um, that as a lot of this uh, is analyzing hearts, as is in our minds, is seeing that do we understand the weight of marriage? Do we understand the bigger picture? A lot of it is, there are these bigger picture things, God. I pray that um, we take time to do that, just like everything else we, um, we preach here. But also, God, I pray that these simple acts of, of preparing for marriage, uh, as, as singles will, um, preparing their hearts to understand that this is way bigger uh, than giving and receiving to getting something out of this relationship. Uh, and God, I pray that as married people of the crossing, that one, um, we will uh, disciple, mentor these uh, single people, these young people well uh, into a, a great, true understanding of what marriage really is, uh, and that as we, uh, as married couples, take time to, to really understand how to love our spouse as well as Christ uh, loved the church. And if we're not doing that, God, I pray that you convict us of that. Uh, I pray that you bring people around us uh, to show us we are not doing that well. God, break down any sin, any selfishness, pride, whatever it is, God, uh, that is holding us back from that. God, I thank you so much that Christ is the bigger picture of everything we do. Thank you so much. It is not just about simple relationships on earth, but you are the greater new covenant, God. I love you. I thank you so much for this time to worship you with this church. Amen.